Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, OBCF. It's good to see all of you. I love. I, I get to have the kind of energy that's like, oh, I don't have to teach today, so I just get to dump it all out and then let the teacher come up. But I wanted to introduce a good friend of mine. I'm not going to go crazy. I I I really like to intro S- Steve because it's usually the biceps of belief or the or the triceps of truth. I usually have something like that, but today I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm just going to say as the teaching pastor, one of my great privileges is that I get to, I get fed by so much of the people who offer that talent and that gifting in our church. And also having the ability to grow closer to the person who's going to come up here and teach as a f- and has been a huge blessing to me. He spends the majority of his week coaching people into actually better sort of be believing that they actually have something valuable worth paying attention to. And if you've spent any time around him, you will know that he wants to take every opportunity to do that for you too. And so my friend and, uh, Amazing teacher, Steve Thomas, is going to come up here and bring the word. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. All right. Well, good morning, LBCF family. Holy cow. We've ruined a lot of people since I, since we first started here. Well, anyway, good morning. If I hadn't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Steve Thomas. I am one member of the teaching team. And so if this is your first time or uh, maybe you've been here a couple of times here at LBCF, would love to have the opportunity, if we hadn't had the opportunity to connect, to meet you. And for those that are family that have been here for even longer, it's always good to see all of you and really take this opportunity in which we get to just have a conversation and explore what it means for us to live and learn like Jesus. And so here, if in a moment of full transparency, <laughs> I have like a lot of stuff written down. I don't know if I'm going to get through all of it or even know I'm going to get to touch any of it. I normally don't open up and mention anything like that, um, but I feel like I am real-time example, real kind of living out what I'll be talking about today. And so bear with me. Uh, I will make this as painless as possible in about 30 minutes, all right, or less. Forgive me if not. I shouldn't have put a time limit on myself. I just added even more pressure on me. So in any event. So, you know, these last few weeks, we have been engaging in a conversation uh, about living like Jesus. And so when I think about this idea of living like Jesus, I think about the idea of Jesus living in complete obedience and lockstep with this father, which in essence glorified only him, but also as a result of that life of obedience, he was able to impact and touch the people that were around him. Now, before we look at that a little bit deeply, uh, I remember, I would say, mm, 
December 2020. So we were just, we're probably in the midst of, of the pandemic. And uh, it was later on that year that I had to make a really, really crucial decision. Um, that decision was life-changing. That decision was giving up my car. <laughs> and so I remember it was like, we weren't going out that much. And, you know, for me, you know, a car, and I know I'm not the only one, but for me, having a car around, because it was a two-car home, but having my own car, that was a symbol of independence, kind of do our own thing. If we need to go out, you know, we could, I can mention to my wife that I'm going out, but, you know, I wasn't really dependent on her so much in terms of, like, being able to run around and, and do a few things. I mean, obviously, out of respect, I would let her know where I'm going, but, you know, I was able to just kind of do my own thing, and so when it got to the point where I actually had to Get out my car, and that was the decision that, that we had made. We had talked about it. When it came to that point, for me, that meant I had to give away a piece of my independence. That meant that now that we're in a one-car household, I had to have more communication and more conversation with my wife because I had to check in. I'd be like, hey, babe, I need to go here today. Are you going anywhere? No, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, yeah, I am going where I got to delay it. So there was there became a certain dependence on making sure that our schedules coordinated so that when we needed to get out and do what we needed to do, that everything worked the way it was supposed to. And so that required at the beginning a lot of communication, a lot of frustration on both ends, not just hers, but mine, a lot of frustration. But at the end of the day, we continue to work on it until we worked the system where Everything works the way it needs to work. Every now and again, you know, certain things I've got to delay or certain things that she has to delay for my sake because I need to go somewhere. We've got to delay, but in essence, we've began to work that out. And so why is that important? Because if you think about our culture and, and, and what we emphasize, hey, you know what? Our culture is very, very based on individualism, right? Like, we don't want to depend on anybody. Like, if we want to do things like, Hey, I want to do things. I, I know I can do things. I don't really need anybody's help to do things. I got this. You know what? I don't need to really depend on anyone. And so when we look at how much culture focuses on, you know, we think about the opposite of that as well, just in the terms of, hey, you know what? I'm strong enough. I, I can do what I need to do to take care of the things I need to take care of. If I'm not strong enough, then people are going to think I'm weak. People are going to think I'm a failure. People are going to think that, you know, I, I, I'm not able to do anything. And so we're constantly driving ourselves to operate in a manner in which we focus solely on ourselves. But then when it comes to living like Jesus, Jesus is the opposite of that. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, when Jesus was living on the earth, of all people, Jesus in and of himself had in and of himself to do anything he wanted. However, Jesus, when he was here on this earth, lived a life of dependence. You know, there's a portion of scripture where he talks and he's, he's talking to a group of, of Pharisees and he's mentioning in John 5, 19, he says, I tell you the truth, the son of man cannot do anything by himself. He only, he only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. So even Jesus himself, while he was living here among us, he said, you know what? By myself, I can't do anything. I am fully dependent on my Father. And so as we think about those things, when we think about what culture focuses on, when we think about 
the idea and the attitude that's prevalent of, you know what, everything is within us. We don't need anybody's help. And then when we think about the idea of living like Jesus and the fact that he, even he and himself was fully dependent on God and the everything that he did, it kind of brought up to me this particular question, which was, in, in living like Jesus, how can we then develop or adopt a godly sense of dependence when our culture emphasizes individualism and self-reliance? This morning, we're going to take a look at a deep conversation that Jesus is having with his followers. And by the way, this conversation is happening right before he's to give himself up as a sacrifice for all of us. And this conversation takes place in John chapter 15. It's going to be up on the screen. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. And it reads this. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. By the way, does anybody own a vine? Anybody seen a vine? Has anybody really enjoyed the fruits of a vine, which is that? <laughs> Let's continue on. He cuts away every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, but he trims clean every branch that does produce, that does produce fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You're all already clean because of what I have said to you. Stay joined to me, and I will stay joined to you. Just as a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays joined to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruit. However, but you cannot do anything without me. If you stay joined to me, if you don't stay joined to me, you'll be thrown away. You'll be like dry branches that are gathered up and burned in a fire. Stay joined to me and let my teachings become part of you. Then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. When you become fruitful disciples of mine, my Father will be honored. I want to take a moment, and just to give us a mental image, I mean, we all know what a vine is, but just to give us a mental image based on the conversation that we had, I pulled up a few photos to take a look at. And so if we take a look and if we consider the metaphor that Jesus uses as himself, which is that of a vine. Let's take a couple of, of photos. I'll take a look at a couple of photos of that. So you see, uh, you see a little branches. You see kind of like a weird kind of offshoot that's going over that way. So that'd be an example of what a vine looked like. Let's slip over to the next one. You'll see another example of what a vine looks like. You can even see uh, in the light some red fruits that are growing from the branches based on the vine. We could scroll a little bit and we could take a look at this photo right here that has an additional that has additional idea of what, what a vine would, would look or does look like, not would look like. 
And so let's let's keep that up for the focus of our during the time of our, our conversation as we talk about this. And so when we think about the significance of a vine, especially that in biblical times. So when we talk about the physical significance of a vine, it was very essential, very essential for food, for, for drink. You know, we kid around this idea of wine, but I understand wine was a staple in the diet back during Jesus's time. And so when we look at what the vine produced from a physical perspective, uh, it would produce grapes. There are other types of fruits that it would produce. And so this was an essential source of food and of nutrients back in Jesus's day. But not only did the vine have a physical significance, it also had a cultural and religious significance as well, because what a vine symbolized was that of prosperity. In houses back in the day, maybe some even to today, uh, they had vines that would actually be brought in the home and they would actually decorate the room of or decorate the home of individuals. And so when we think about this idea of a vine and its cultural significance as well as its physical significance, realizing this, that this was the essential source of what people not only had, not, um, not only what people ate physically, but also from a religious and a cultural standpoint. And so when we look at this idea of Jesus being a metaphor of being the vine, Jesus is essentially saying, I am your source. I'm not just a source, but I am the source. Question. How many of us recognize today that Jesus is our source? Because here's the thing, if we want to live like Jesus, if we want to adopt this idea of walking in obedience and bearing fruit, that doesn't happen without us being connected to the source. A few verses I want to read. It's okay if I read a few verses. If you say no, that's too bad because we're in the church. So, all right. Psalms 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. Psalms 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Psalms 21, 21, 1 and 2. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. And then Philippians 4.19, and many of us are familiar with this one. And my God will liberally supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Can I take a pick? quick pause and mention this. If you're here today, maybe this is something you're hearing for the first time. Maybe you're going at it alone. Can I let you know that Jesus came to be our source? And because Jesus came to be our source, we can be fully confident in giving our life to him and being fully connected to the source that he is because he's ready, willing, and able to liberally, freely, lovingly give us everything that we need. I want to focus on 
a second concept. The first concept, I wanted us to take a look at the mind. I'm going to leave that up there as we look at this. The second concept I want to focus on is the idea of, in those verses, you saw a lot of, if we stay joined to. Another word is abide, to remain. So when we look at interpreting the actual Greek word, it goes on and, it again, carries that idea of us remaining in God, us staying joined to God, us abiding with God. And, and the idea that that carries or that resonates with me more specifically is the idea of perseverance. Well, Steve, what do you mean? As we remain connected to God, as we engage in those spiritual disciplines, and we're not engaging in these spiritual disciplines just for the sake of just doing it because it's a check mark off the box. But as we are remaining and connected with him, if we can go to the next slide. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go through each and every one of these terms. I just put this up for the Vanessa Longneckers and the gardeners of the group, just so that you know. <laughs> but I want us to pay particular attention to the left side. Because if you notice on the, lex, on the left side, there are a couple of pruning techniques when it comes to vines. I believe one is a, a cane pruning and a spur pruning. And so as you look at those, if you look at those sprouts per se, or those things that are coming up, notice nothing is growing from those. If you notice the right side of it, obviously it's brewing and bringing forth fruit. And what's happening on the left side of it is that in order for vines to bring in more fruit, it needs to be pruned similar to what you see on the left side. Now, just because it's being pruned, it doesn't mean that it's not connected. It's just being pruned. You know, for some of us, this is where we are. Some of us are on the right side. We're being for fruit. We're doing good. But some of us are here. Some of us are encountering unbearable loss. Some of us are counting loss of jobs. Some of us are, count, are, are, are going through loss of a loved one. Some of us are going through so much stress and so much trials that we think, you know what? We're never going to be able to bear fruit. But here's the thing. Even during those periods of testing, those periods of, uh, uh, of pruning, of trimming, if we remain connected to the source, we're going to inevitably bring in more fruit. Now, what does this fruit look like? Fruit looks like our godly, our Christ-like character being more like Christ. So if you think about Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it lists a whole bunch of, uh, of, of, of fruit that is produced from our lives, whether it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. And that all is exercised when we are in community. So another question. 
How connected are we to the vine? Wherever you are, whether you're going through great times, whether things are challenging, the question remains, how connected are we to the vine? Can I go a little bit deeper? This is tough because I'm, no, I'm still working on this myself. When we talk about this idea of being connected to the vine, we're talking about pursuing an intimate relationship with God, constantly pursuing being connected and wanting to know, hey, God, how can I live a life of obedience to him? How can we do that? Again, if we engage in the spiritual discipline. So when we talk about spiritual disciplines, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about prayer. How many times are we talking to God? How about the other way around? How about when we read the scriptures? Giving God the opportunity to talk to us. How about when we are connecting with others in community? Whether it's telling others about Jesus or whether it's encouraging others by what's going on with our life. As we, produce, as we look at this, again, I ask the question then, how connected are we to the vine? Because living this life of obedience, trying to do what we need to do, trying to be a good person or trying to do what Jesus did, that doesn't happen apart from being connected to the source. And so the question for us then becomes, how connected are we to the source? You know, as I, as I face this question and look at this question, um, I'm reminded of a heart monitor. We all know a heart monitor, depending on what it is. You do this, boom, you do this. You know, for me, that's, that's, that's what I struggle with in terms of my level of connection when it comes to engaging in those spiritual disciplines, which is spending time in prayer. Again, not checking it off in the box, but spending some time in prayer, talking with them. And I get some really, really good days. It's almost like the Bible app. You know, you got like a really good streaks going on, right? And then like all of a sudden, there's like a few days. It's like, and then we start up again. Okay, things are going great. And then, and as I think about that, you know what happens when I become more disconnected from the source? I notice a couple things that happens with me. One is I get, I get really anxious. Like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of things on our schedule, a lot of things on my plate, a lot of things that I need to do. And so I get really, really, really anxious. Like, and then not only do I get really anxious, is that I get really scared. And because I get scared, I can't take those calculated risks that God would want me to take or certain opportunities that I want to take advantage of. I won't be able to, I don't take advantage of those because it's like, okay, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to do well. I don't know if, you know, I'm cut out for this. So I get really, really scared. Can I tell you another one? I get really isolated. Because I have so much on me because I get more anxious, the fear is going up, I feel like I'm the only person that can do something about it, and because I feel like I'm the only person that can do about it, I create more pressure for myself, more pressure for myself, nobody else can help me. Some of the things are, are, are bad decisions that I make that, okay, I've gotta handle this, nobody else can handle it because, hey, it wasn't your bad decision, it was my bad decision, so it's something I gotta handle, and it just becomes more and more and more, and as a result of that, 
I become more insulated and I don't want to talk to anybody, not even my family. But then as I think about this idea of being connected to the source and living like Jesus and living a life that he would want me to live based on what he's modeled for us behavior-wise. So I look at that, I think this. I need to be, I need to not only snap out of it, but I need to be actively pursuing an intimate connection with Christ because in Christ, he is my source. Not only my source of hope, my source of rest, my source of, uh, of joy, my source of happiness. And for me to decide, hey, you know what? I want to do my, everything myself is to cut myself off from the source or from, from a God who says, you know what? I want to love you. I want to bless you. I want to make sure that everything works in your favor. I want to make sure that you're on the path that I want you to be on. I want to make sure that those people that are lined up in front of you, I want to make sure that you're in a position to reach those people, to impact those people. But you know what? You can't do that if you remain disconnected from the source. So question, again, how connected are we to the source? Because here's the thing, it doesn't happen, you can't do it one to two times a week. If we want to live like Jesus, that's not going to cut it. You know what that's like? That's like me saying, hey, you know what? I, I want to lose, you know, I, I want to make sure I, I turn my one pack into a six pack in like three months. And the only way I'm going to do that is to eat once, eat well once a week and maybe go to the gym once a week. That's not going to work. So when we think about living the way God wants us to live, being faithful to him and allowing him to be faithful to us. Are we connected to the source? Here's the thing as we begin to land the plane. In being connected and actively pursuing that life, and we could switch the slide to the original slide. And actively pursuing the life and giving forth fruit. Fruit being being more like Jesus, adopting more of his characteristics, living in community and living out being like Jesus in the community because if you, can't, you can't have one without the other. It doesn't work. But if we truly actively want to pursue an intimate connection, knowing that when we live like Christ, we are walking in obedience and we are in the positions where he wants us to be, not only to make a difference for him, but at the end of the day, to glorify God, our heavenly father. So again, how connected are we to the source? You know, one verse of I want us to look at, before again we land the plane, is this. Because again, we're battling with this idea of doing things on our own. This world celebrates individualism. 
Like, we don't need anybody else. But hey, you know what? That's not what Jesus is calling us to do. Jesus is calling us in our connection with him that we connect with one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25-27 says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. I'm going to read that statement again. Instead of a church, I'm going to replace that with LBCF. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as LBCF. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You know, as we close, as we continue to look at this image and think about what God is telling us, I want to talk to three groups of people. First group, if you're here and you're doing it on your own and you says, you know what, I'm tired of continuing to do it on my own. I want to know who the source is. I want to get connected. You could do that today. How? By coming to Jesus and saying, God, you know what? I've been doing this thing on my own for such a long time. I seem to be making more of a mess of things. I can't do it. I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting in the fact that you came and lived this perfect example, that you died for me, and that you're alive today. And through you and in you, I'm able to live like you. You could do that by having that conversation with him today and then beginning to engage in that communion with him. Second group, maybe you're here, you're connected, and you're on the line, man. You're, you're being trimmed, you're being pruned. I mean, whatever it is, I mean, you're going through. Can I encourage you? God is your source. And God is preparing a time where we move from being pruned to positioning you to be able to give in more fruit, to be able to continue to not only act more like Christ, but to make more of a difference and to make more of an impact on the people around you. He's already lined it up. We haven't seen it yet, but God is currently positioning you. But even in where you're at right now, God says, you know what? I am going through this with you. I am sitting with you. I am holding your hand. And we're going to walk this thing through this thing together if you remain connected to me. Third group. 
Maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I'm already connected, but you know what? Still, I got this. I don't need anybody. You know, I want to do this on my own. I'm strong enough. I don't want people to see that I'm weak. I got this. Can I mention to you? To live this life that Jesus wants us to live, to live like Jesus, which I assume everybody wants to do. If you want to live like Jesus, just say amen. All right. If you want to live like Jesus, you cannot operate in a silo. It doesn't happen on your own. Not only do you need to be connected to the source, but in connection to the source, you need to be connected here. You need to be connected here. You need to be connected here. You need to be connected there. You need to be connected all the way in the back. You need to be connected here. You need to be connected here. It doesn't happen unless we're connected. I tried it. I still try to do it. Can I tell you, I'm always not only being driven back here, but from a practical standpoint, I'm being driven back here. God showed me these last few months, you know what, Steve, don't even try it. I know you're still trying, but don't even try it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to connect you with two gentlemen in this group, in this, in this community. And it is your thing to connect with them on a regular basis. Because this idea of doing things on my own or do it, like, for what I have for you, doesn't work. work. You know, as we close, take a moment to think about, God, am I connected to you, the source? Am I faithful in my active pursuit of that intimate relationship with you so I can exhibit more Christ-like behaviors in order to position myself to bring fruit in the lives of the people that I touch. As we do that, I want to read our, verse, our verses again. Slightly different, slightly different version. And this essentially is going to be our closing prayer. So let's, if you're able, take a moment, ponder these words. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message that I've spoken. Gets good. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is deadwood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. And Father, we thank you We thank you for being our source. Lord, there's so many opportunities that you give us to live this out. So many opportunities, whether it's hanging out with people on the patio, maybe focusing on them for more than two to three minutes. Maybe it's helping out a need like we did as a community and helped out the family who was needing needing rent money. Maybe it's by reaching out to those that have experienced significant loss. It's in those moments as we live out the life that you want us to live, as we become solely dependent on you, that you flow through us and that you use us to produce good fruit. Whether it's love, joy, peace, faithfulness, self-control. Thank you that you are our everything. Thank you that even in our our time of pruning, our time of trimming. You make all things beautiful. So thank you. In Jesus' name. In a moment, we're going to continue on, and it's coincidentally enough, that same conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, it was the same time in which he did or he had communion with his followers. And so in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to take part in tangibly us being connected to the source in the elements. But before we do that, actually, while we do that, Gabby, I might ask you to come. I'm surprising her. She didn't know I was going to do this. Who's with you, Gabby, today for your team? Bars, I'm going to ask you to come. Who else is on the prayer team that's here? Jenny, I'm going to ask you to come. 
You know, I bring, I bring them up because when we talk about connecting with others and living in community and not having to deal with things on our own and carry things by ourselves, that's one of the main reasons why we have these wonderful men and women that will come alongside of you and help you to carry these burdens and to talk to Jesus, to have those conversations, to let also you know that you are not alone. So I encourage you as we take this time, take communion. If you're here, like I said, you're going through some serious trimming. You're going through some serious pruning right now. I encourage you that you would approach either of these wonderful people, wonderful members of our community, and have that time. Maybe you're on the opposite side. Maybe you're bringing in a lot of fruit, and you just need to make better decisions. You just need to know, okay, well, man, with this much coming on, how can I accurately uh, be strategic and stay within that connection and stay connected? They're here for you as well. And so they're going to be right there on my right-hand side. And as we take this opportunity to take communion, I encourage you, have that conversation. Let us bear each other's burdens. Let us help us to all remain connected to the vine, connected to the source. Amen. I'm going to ask that we come as we prepare our hearts for communion, those that are giving in the elements. I ask that we come take our places. Praise team, awesome job. Thank you for helping us be connected. Thank you all for being faithful and helping us be connected. And as we do so, let us prepare to sing and enjoy communion together. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Yeah.